Welcome to another episode of the Father Ted Talk, broadcast here at the National Shrine of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton in Emmitsburg, Maryland. We want to invite you to come celebrate Mother Seton's birthday at our first event in months. The party will be held on August 30th here at the Shrine. You can find more info at satanshrine.org. Now here's Father Ted. Jesus of Nazareth is God. That's something we can never emphasize too much. It is something of supreme importance for us. After the Blessed Trinity, there is no mystery of our faith which is more central than that of the Incarnation, the divinity of Jesus. If Jesus was not God, we would all be idolaters. And we should probably just go home right now. But we know that he is God. However, there is this kind of disturbing trend in certain circles these days to water down that truth. For example, we have a lot of contemporary spiritual authors who present Jesus as just one more spiritual guru or leader or guide. So, for example, there was this author by the name of um, Eckhart Tolle, who the New York Times called the most popular spiritual author in the United States. He was uh, recommended by Oprah Winfrey as well. And this author had a very watered-down view of Jesus. He did not consider him to be any different from the Buddha or Confucius or any other spiritual master. And then you even have within theological and biblical circles people that try and downplay or even explain away the miracles that really demonstrate the divinity of Christ. So, for example, all the miraculous cures that our Lord performed, they weren't actually miracles, but rather Jesus, in those 30 years that that he was hidden before he began his public ministry, he went to the east, to Persia, India, and beyond, and he learned all these medicinal techniques that he used that seemed like miracles. Or even last week's miracle of the multiplication of the bread. This is an, ex- this is an explanation that some of them actually give. It wasn't that Jesus actually took five loaves and made them into enough food for 5,000, but rather the miracle was that Jesus encouraged them to share with each other the bread that they already had. It was a miracle of charity. And then today's miracle is even better. There's this one normally reliable author who explains it in this way. He said that Jesus put the disciples into the boat and sent them across the lake, but a a wind brought them to the northern shore of the lake. And they were actually very close to the beach. So they weren't in the middle of the lake. Or like the gospel says, they weren't a few miles from the shore. They They were actually close to the beach. And Jesus on the mountain, he didn't have divine knowledge of their plight. Rather, in the moonlight, he saw them struggling with the waves. So he goes down from the mountain, he makes his way along the shore, and he wades into the water, and he appears to the disciples out of the blue, you know, suddenly, unexpectedly, and that's why they're scared of him when they first see him. So Jesus did not actually walk on the water, he just waded through the surf to help them in their plight. And the author does not explain why saving Peter was such a big deal if they were just wading through the water together. Now, in my personal opinion, it takes more faith to believe explanations like that than it does to believe that Jesus is God. But that's just me. You cannot read the Gospels honestly and walk away with the notion that Jesus Christ is anything but God. 
Yes, he's a guide. Yes, he's a teacher. Yes, he's a leader. But the authors of the Gospels know that he's infinitely more than that. So C.S. Lewis famously said that, based upon what Jesus said, there's only three possible options. Either Jesus was a liar, and he, and he wanted to make people think he was God, even though he knew he wasn't God. Or he was a lunatic, and he really thought he was God, but he actually wasn't. Or he is the Lord God. And he said he was. Now today's gospel is a very good example of a text that demonstrates the divinity of Christ in many different ways. It demonstrates his divinity because of what he says and does as well as what the apostles say and do. So the most obvious one is Jesus, in the midst of this storm, is walking on top of water. That doesn't normally happen. But that was an attribute of Yahweh in the Old Testament. Only Yahweh in the Old Testament had this dominion over the waves. Because the sea, the ancient Jews, was seen as this unconquerable, dangerous force. And so when Jesus is walking on top of this unconquerable, dangerous force, he is demonstrating that he possesses that power of Yahweh over the elements. And then we go on as to what Jesus says that proves that he's God. The apostles, they're terrified at first. They think they're seeing a ghost. But then he encourages them by saying, take courage, it is I. And that little phrase in English, it is I, in the Greek is ego eimi, literally means I am. And this little Greek phrase harkens back to the book of Exodus, where Moses is talking to the Lord in a burning bush, and he asks him, what is your name? And the Lord God responds, in the Greek, Ego eimi hoan. And so when Jesus identifies himself with the same words, Ego eimi, he's attributing to himself the divine name, the name that the Jews wouldn't even pronounce out of reverence for it. And this might seem something rather subtle to us, like not so convincing, but it was enough for his contemporaries. When Jesus later on in the gospel, in the temple, says, before Abraham was, ego eimi, before Abraham was, I am, the Jews are so infuriated, they think it's blasphemy, and they try and stone him. They know he's calling himself God when he uses that phrase. And then, furthermore, we have that expression at the end, do not be afraid. From the mouth of the divine Christ, do not be afraid. He is the only person that can really give us that kind of assurance. Nobody else, no philosopher, no social activist, no politician, no leader, no physician, no stockbroker can give us that kind of assurance that we do not need to be afraid. Why not? Because they're all in the boat with us. They're on the waters. They are also getting rocked about. They do not have control of the situation. Only the Lord God, who has dominion over the waves, is able to tell us with complete assurance, you do not need to be afraid now. It is I. And then let's look at what happens to the apostles after this. 
one of the most common reflections in this gospel passage is regarding Peter. He's kind of the central figure here, after all. When he takes his eyes off of Jesus, he begins to sink. When we begin to rely on anything other than God to keep ourselves afloat in life, we begin to sink. If we rely upon power, our position, if we rely upon money, if we rely upon some kind of popularity, if we rely upon anything but Jesus, we are going to drown like Peter. But when we keep our eyes focused on him, we can share in his power that gives him the capacity to walk above water. The sacraments do that. The sacraments, baptism, confirmation, the Eucharist, confession, they give us a participation, a taking part in the divine power so that we will not be swept aside by the waves of fear, by the waves of violence, by the waves of death even. We can walk above it all so long as we are keeping our eyes fixed upon our Lord through the reception of those sacraments. And after all this takes place and they finally reach shore, the disciples do him homage. And that word in the Greek, homage, it implies an attitude and a position of worship. They are prostrating themselves in front of Jesus. And they say, very appropriately, truly, you are the Son of God. They know with absolute certainty that moment they are dealing with God in the flesh. In the second reading, there's a similar confession of faith from St. Paul. St. Paul, in the second reading there, he was talking about the relationship between Judaism and Christianity. And he was explaining all these good things that came from Judaism. The temple, the law, the covenants, the prophets. We can add today Eve Stein. She converted from Judaism. And then he concludes with this saying, And also from the Jews is Jesus Christ in the flesh, who is God, blessed forever above all. Our Lord is God. Now what does that mean for all of us? How does that affect us? One thing. It means we need to be still at times and know that he is God. Recognize his divinity. We need to pray like Jesus Christ prayed by himself on the mountain in today's gospel. We need to cry out to him for help like Peter did when he was sinking into the waves. But let's remember that God speaks in the silence. There's this story about this old preacher who was talking to a young man who just lost his job. And the young man was pacing about the study, ranting and raving and just losing his mind and complaining and saying, you know, I've asked God to give me a job. I've asked God why he let this happen and God doesn't answer me. And then the preacher behind the desk, he says in an inaudible tone something and the young man doesn't hear him and he says, wait, what did you say? And he gets a little bit closer. And then the old preacher again says in this hushed tone something, and the man doesn't hear him. And he gets a little bit closer, and he's actually leaning on the old preacher's chair now and says, sorry, I didn't didn't catch that. And the old preacher says, sometimes God whispers so that we will get closer to him. So we need to spend some time in that silence because God's voice is not going to thunder out the answer to our problems in life. We see the waves very easily and those make a lot of noise. But to find the peace and the answer to those problems we're confronting, 
we have to be still at times. Nothing draws human focus like a whisper. When God whispers, I must stop my ranting and get closer to him so that I can hear what he has to say. And in doing so, I will often find my answer. But more importantly, I will find God. Now the same Lord Jesus who walked above the waters, he is going to come to us in today's Mass. And so like in the, the people in the boat, we are going to fall onto our knees and we are going to adore him when he comes here. We are going to behold Jesus in a few moments, not looking like a ghost, but looking like a single wafer. No matter how many times we have taken our eyes off of him, he has never taken his eyes off of us. When that moment of consecration comes and the Lord is lifted up above the altar, he says to each and every single one of us, take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. May the Blessed Virgin Mary help us to believe in the divinity of Christ so that we might never be afraid in the storms of life.